Thank you for listening to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at GoDeepThePodcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep. Folks, we also got that new yum yum at our store. You can go to godaddy.com and you can find our new gear on the spring shop. We got a new shirt, Clean Deep Productions. It's fancy, it's new. It's something, uh, you know, it's nothing terribly original, just something more related to the podcast. And as you heard here, we do have a new website. You can find that on our Instagram post. Just go to Go Deep Productions at Instagram and you'll find us there. I'm sure MoFo will be right impressed. And with saying that, this is a raw gas experience. This is episode number two with Motorsports MoFo himself. How are you, pal? Good to do this little shindig. And uh, as always, thank you, everyone, for uh, the continued support and always listening. We appreciate y'all. Definitely, definitely. And also, we have a recur- uh, returning bro host back on the show, long overdue, the one, the only T.O. Big Show, how are you, pal? Feeling great, man. It's been a while. It's great to be back, as always. Yes, it is great. We are going to talk about wrestling with you in the future, sir. It's been a while. Of course. But uh, we will go back down that uh, rabbit hole in the future. I just want, if I may interject there just for one second, like I just, talking wrestling, who doesn't love the commercial? Tide, cold, they got Stone Cold Steve Austin there. All these oh, guys. yes. I, I just yes. want to put that out there. Still rocking it. You know what? I... Every time I see that commercial, boom, it's got me. It's like, just, it's got me. I just want to say yeah. it's Stone Cold, still rocking it all these years later. I'd love just to see him still crushing beers off his head, though. That would be, uh, make the commercial even better. You put that out there. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely, man. I love uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock still, even though The Rock is Hollywood, that's okay. It's, uh, we should always be happy when people are doing better in life, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all about. All right. Well, with that being said, let me ask you something there, uh, T.O. Big Show. Been a while right. on the show. And, yeah. you know, when you're thinking about buying a car, are you the guy that walks into the dealership or are you the guy that goes to the scrapyard and you're like, you know, I like the body of that car right there. I can fix that. I can do something with that. What does T.O. Big Show uh, do? Right now, personally, I don't, I, I don't have a house. Like, I don't live in a house and all that. But if I had a house, I'll tell you. I prefer I prefer classic. Okay. I, I, my dream is would be love to have a '57 Chevy Impala. That red, white, black leather. Like, oh man! Like lipstick red, right? Oh yeah, man. Mm. Those things are sexy beasts, man. They don't make them like that anymore. Mm, that sounds delicious. I'm surprised Mofo didn't get excited. <laughs> he likes to wear lipstick. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, motorsports. I'm not even sure where to go. I'm really not. You know, <laughs> there's nothing right. wrong with it, buddy. I love you. So, I'm gonna start carrying a two by four over my shoulder just to deal with you. I think. Well, you're not hacksaw Jim Duggett, so we're gonna move on from there. Uh, <laughs> so, going to a car dealership. Are you that guy? You go in the car dealership. You love the smell of the new uh, car smell. Kind of gets you a little excited in many. You know. So here's the thing. I love going to the dealership. I, I like. I, I, who doesn't like the smell of a new car? I agree. Uh, I, I, I do too. Yeah. A certain thing about a new car smell and all, like it's just anyone that's ever owned a new car knows what I'm talking about. You can't replicate it once it's gone. It's gone. But no, I, I do enjoy going. Obviously, as a muscle car guy and a sports car guy, you know Camaros, bet absolutely. But uh, other than that, obviously, people that know me, I'm a truck guy. But eh, 
the dealership, nothing, and there's nothing wrong with that. So there's certain stuff that, yes, a dealer would uh, pique my interest. Generally speaking, I'd, I'd be the same with Geo Big Show, and I'd be, I'd be, I'm more of like a hands-on. I like to build stuff. I'd, I'd be looking for something to pull out of a field, likely, or a swap meet. That'd be probably more up my alley, to be honest. What's a swap a meet? Let's go back for a second. What is a swap meet, and how many of them have you been to? Oh, God. I mean, uh, we'll start with the first question. What is a swap meet? So imagine you and anyone that is like-minded like you as a car guy. Or, I mean, frankly, a swap meet could be really anything. But in our case, a swap meet is, generally speaking, uh, you go to a, a massive field. Usually they're all outdoors. Most of them are outdoors. Big venues, multiple acres of property. And uh, you're walking up and down rows and you're there's various vendors or individuals like you or I that would be there with tables set up and they have parts for sale. Ran, like random so it's, like, it's like a garage sale basically is what you're telling me. It's essentially a garage sale, but like for a car guy, this is like a, a dream. Like Toys R Us. It's like Toys R Us, absolutely. Yeah. You need to spend hours upon hours and days. If you ever go to, to Carlisle, which is down in Pennsylvania or Hershey, you know, you go to some of these swap meets and, and shows, and you could spend days literally looking for that one hard-to-find trinket part or a fender or just a one-off whatever piece, and you may not find it or you could find it. I mean, and there's guys that literally, they, they do a happy dance when they find that part or that hard-to-find item, right? So that essentially, in a nutshell, is a swap meet. You know, anyone that hasn't been to a swap meet, you don't know what you're missing until you're there and, and looking for that hard-to-find part and the excitement that it generates. That sounds amazing. So let's go back now to yeah. your ideal car. Okay, so you're in a scrapyard. You're looking around. Now, what is MoFo looking for in the body? The thing is, like, I just want to highlight, I mean, going to the scrapyard, most times now, like, people won't go generally to... Case in point, like for us here in, in Toronto, Ontario, is so we, everyone knows like standard auto records, right? As an example, so we, I wouldn't go into an auto records and just decide, oh, I'm going to pull that car because a lot of them are stacked and such like that. But you have like a place like, say, National Mopar, and these guys have got all vintage old Chrysler, Dodge, Plymouth uh, cars. And like, but they're, they're a scrapyard, but for vintage muscle cars and, and Dodge and Plymouth stuff, as I said. So I, I would be more into something like that where it's a special, I'll call it like a specialty scrapyard. But I would generally speaking, I'd be looking for something that I suppose would be anything from the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s. I mean, like anywhere in that, that hot rod area, post-war, up until like the muscle car area. But like, they're definitely, anyone that knows me, I'm, I'm a huge S10 guy, the C or the K series trucks as well stuff like that i'd be looking for but i mean the, the big stuff i'd be looking for is i'd be right off the hop i'm looking for ideally a solid frame okay right and we're okay. not talking about the, we're not talking about to a big show's back got it so <laughs> <laughs> if we could take a second here so you're looking for those those fun things now have i know you have an s10 did you buy it used or is this something you've had and then you've just kind of kept and like you've retuned it and reworked what's the deal on that Black Widow, the S10 there for 18 years now, and um, when I found it, it was in a very sad state. Found it in Shelburne, Ontario, and it was literally sitting in a field next to a guy's barn, and then that's where I found it, and everything then was essentially rebuilt from there, body panel-wise, and the frame was 
generally solid, so we were able to uh, do a couple fixes that we had to little pieces plugged in that with weld. And um, other than that, everything was able to be sandblasted down and reworked, but a lot of body metal work on that. So it was definitely not new. It trucks as old as I am. And by the time I found it, you know, like I say, it was already, it was many moons old. But uh, anything can be fixed. Enough time, money, a lot of money, a lot more time. So can be fixed. what is the deal with the S10? Because you were talking about it off air with me and you were kind of saying it was going nowhere like your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going nowhere because it's winter. I don't personally take it out in the winter. A lot of car guys will park their cars in the winter just to save them from salt. And if it's near and dear to your heart, you, you, you know, after you put in a lot of wrench time and modifications, customizations, you don't usually take it out in the, the bad weather. Right. But, um, no, like in, in pertains to my situation, I, I've still got to do, like we got the new motor in, we, we were able to pick up and secure a deal with the guys there at AGP Speed and Custom uh, New Market, so make sure you check those guys out. But uh, we're able to put a new motor in and do a couple other things, and we're just going to be in the spring doing a few final finesse things and a proper dyno tune, and then I'll be ready to roll with it. But yeah, like anyone that restores something or does on like generally a big rebuild, or even if it's a new car, but if it's their baby, no, like a lot of them won't, they won't drive it through the winter. They'll keep it parked and that's when they'll do their work on it type thing, right? Makes sense. So T.O. Big Show, mm-hmm. let me ask you something. All right. You're a car guy. Yes, I am. Not as big as Mofo, but I, I know my shit, yeah. Okay. Have you ever uh, restored any kind of vehicles? If so, what vehicle and uh, how bad was it and how wonderful was it when you guys were done? Uh, back in the day and probably I was about... 16, 17, I was still in high school and um, I was in auto body and I went to college for it, got uh, got past the course, all that stuff. And I worked in the field for a bit, but uh, I did a 67 or 68 uh, Mustang. The body actually was in decent shape, except we had to do the whole floor again. So me and three other guys there in the class, like the teacher would sign us out. We'd spend the whole damn day there just remolding the floor and sheet metal. And then one of the guys welded it while I was sandblasting out the engine compartment there and everything and getting it all ready for primer and all that. And it took us about a good eight months to finish this thing because we didn't have the, we only had a few days in school here and there and we had to go to some other classes. But after everything was done and get all the seats in there and oh my God, man, that thing was sad. beautiful. All that hard work, man. I have have to laugh because anyone that's ever done sandblasting themselves, you know know how messy and what that's all about. Oh, my God. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Are we talking about the same kind of sandblasting Alice Smithy does on a late Friday night to Annie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Delicious. Likes it rough. The roughest and most abrasive sandblasting one can do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I just want to say, though, I'm just thinking about it. If if you're not familiar with uh, guys and girls with sandblasting, look it up and just, and, and or media blasting, because there is different media that, that they do now, uh, walnut shells and such, and, but to the point, like, I just imagine, you know, you're 16, 17 years old, you're in there sandblasting away, your buddy's trying to weld, I can just imagine the shit storm. Oh, yeah. Or the teacher probably just, like, looking over at you guys, thinking, oh, fuck me, what have I, what have I done? What have <laughs> He's I, like, what have why I am I letting kids do this? <laughs> yeah, I could just, I just, and it makes me laugh because I literally, I just, I have flashbacks to when I got my S10 and sandblasting the frame of my parents' driveway and my dad, like, he just left the family car right there in the driveway. So, of course, the, the fucking oh, car is getting blasted with that. I mean, the sand is, oh, Lord, you know? 
I look back, and Dad, if you're listening, I, I know that you were very patient, and I appreciate that. Just want to put that out there. But, uh, yeah, Joe, you know, not to cut you off, I just, I, I, when you were talking with that, I, I started to laugh to myself. I had to put that out there. Oh, yeah, it's not a fun thing to do, man. That's for sure. Oh, that's you got to be protected for sure. So when I was uh, younger, I was in a I was in a school that particularly catered to uh, cars and stuff of that nature. I was going to go in the field of you know auto mechanics and stuff of that nature. It was, it's safe to say I didn't make it there, and say also safe to say it's probably better for everybody else that I didn't get involved. Anyhow, uh, I think the only thing I really got to do was oil changes and uh, balance tires and use a pressure washer to clean oysters and clams off the side of a boat. <laughs> Oh, How'd that work out? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I'm the host of Go Deep, the podcast for a reason, and I'm not the owner of Go Deep uh, Car Mechanics, so I'll let you uh, decide oh, from there. Attaboy. So, so here, here's, the thing, here's the thing that I just want to say, though, too. You know, there's nothing wrong with having me do auto body metal. It's a very, it's a noble trade. It's a great trade in knowing how to do it. It's just my, my thing is I try to do as least amount of body work as possible just because it's labor-intensive, very consuming time and energy and just all the prep work. And, and that's whether you sandblast or if you're acid-dipping the car, like, just to, you know, make sure you get everything. Like, there's so many ways of cleaning the metal or, or redoing it before you get started. That's the first thing. I just want to put it out there is that, you know, I don't mind putting in a lot of the wrench time in terms of a mechanical aspect, but when it comes to body work, I, I have to say, you know, Joe Big Show, full credit there, doing floor pans and everything, like it's a lot of bracing and everything. you got to structurally support oh, that yeah. body to prevent it from twisting. You get in the floor pans and, oh, my Lord, it's just, it's a lot. It's labor intensive. I just want to put that out there. That's the one yeah, thing I... It definitely was. I stay away from. I really do. Yeah, the only reason that we did it was because the person that owns the Mustang was uh, actually going to put it in car shows. And Mm -hmm. once we finished it off, he did. And two months later, after we finished the car, he came back to us and told us, oh, he uh, won first place in a a show and then he won $25,000. He just wanted to come over to us and say thank you. So we bought us all lunch and all that. All that. And that was nice of him. And then he followed Alan Smithy's. Example and started sniffing coke off a of hooker's asses. Probably, yeah. With that, with that way, we finished that car. Yeah, you would be able to definitely go to get Vegas. some nice prime choice hookers. <laughs> the, you you know, know, not the Oshawa kind. Oh, oh. <laughs> we had to go there. <laughs> so here, here's the thing, though. So Tio, like I've had a hand in a couple of restorations, mm-hmm. and fortunately, the body work has been minimal to where. It's cab corners of the of the truck cab or a floor pan or a cab mount, um, a fender of you know of a car. Yeah. Minimal body work other than obviously like a repaint and block sanding and so on and so forth. But the, the physical metal that the car or truck was born with, if you will, has generally still been good. Which is great. And I, I'm, I'm, oh, absolutely. And I'm sure yeah. our listeners have all seen something that is literally in a field and looks like it's turning into the grass. It's so rotten. Anyone yeah. that's ever watched like a case in point of a show, um, as an example, Graveyard Cars. Phenomenal show. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you check it out. They're on YouTube or uh, Google up Graveyard Cars. Some of these guys out there, some of these shops, I mean, the stuff that they can do with what they're given. And then, you know, there's obviously companies that come along and they make patch panels and parts and replacement shells and such. It's, it's just interesting what you can do. But at what point, in your opinion, does it, like, is it 
could no longer say in your case a 68 Mustang. Yeah, that's a good one. Like if you have, you see all say standpoint, like say if that 68 Mustang, he brides it in and all the rockers are rotted and we obviously had the floor pan and you know what, after you have to do the rocker panels and the floor pan and that that's almost at the point where like, you know what, is it really worth it? But it, you'll just basically be just making a, new car out of the basic shell out of a of a like basically the frame of a, a mustang it's, it's not really a 68 mustang it's more like i don't know i can't put in words what you would call it but it basically yeah being the brand new built car basically right well and, and you know john i'm not sure what you think on this but i'm sure a lot of our car guy listeners would would probably disagree with me on this up until this point about, you know, because any, anyone that's been in the game long enough has either known someone that's had to do floor pans or trunk pans or whatever. And and to be honest, a lot of that stuff is just standard. It, it's just a known thing. Um, they've had to do a driver's side floor pan or the entire floor pan, firewall, patch, you know. And, and I guess where I draw my line uh, and where my rationale is, a patch panel here and there or a quarter panel is one thing. But as in, I, I want to highlight, I'm not slamming these companies whatsoever. I'm saying, like, these are really good companies if you have to restore your car. But case in point, you got, like, Auto Metal Direct. Uh, you got Dynacorn. So some of these companies, like, for example, you can buy the shell of a Fastback Mustang or, wow. or a 69 Camaro. You can buy the shell. And then, oh, you also want a trunk lift. Yep, we sell that, too. Doors? Yep, we got them. Benders? Yep, they're on their way. Hood. So with that being Bumper. said, being able to buy all that stuff, in your opinion, does this still make this authentic or do you think this makes this modified? Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's left up to like the individual to, to sort of, you know, and that's where it gets interesting because like you can, case in point, so say I, I have a CK series Chevy truck, right? The square bodies, you know, are starting to really become popular between car guys and truck guys doing all sorts of stuff. And this, this example could pertain to whether a Ford Chef Dodge Toyota or whatever, right, guys? And the point is, is, so say, okay, you've got the cab, and, uh, okay, you got to do cab corners. Okay. Oh, floor pans. Okay. Uh, well, the doors are also poots. So maybe then you, you call up uh, Auto Metal Direct, and you say, yep, yeah, send me some doors. Oh, and I need a firewall patch. And, uh, you know, I, I've got patch, you know, you think in some of the older cars, especially uh, metal dashes, right? You're doing all these patches, and essentially it's like, well, what is really left of that cab from 1973 through 1977? Like, what really is, what metal is left of it? So at what point does it become, you know, and everyone is going to look at it differently. But for myself, for MoFo, I don't mind doing like a floor pan or quarter panel. But for me, where it starts to, as an example, I've watched some shows where, okay, we got to do floor pans and we got to do inner rockers, outer rockers. Oh, we're tubbing it out, like, or a mini tub, I should say, not tubbing it fully but a mini tub so we're doing inner wheel wells we're doing the trunk pad and it gets to the point where well what what's really left i mean they, they sell outer roof skins and you know it, it just gets to a point where it's so little that's left that you're not really so I, I feel like once you start to get into that certain threshold of after floor pans and if you're say doing inner rockers outer rockers um a firewall you know it, it gets to a point where for me it still resembles a, you know, in this, a C or K series truck or it resembles a 69 Camaro, what have you. But is it in my head, it is a nice build. It is a very nice build, beautifully crafted. Would I drive it? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? But other than that, 
not, it, it, it's just, it, it crosses a line to where it's a cool build, but in my head, I can't properly say that it's a 69 or a 73, you know, CK series, what have you, right? So let me ask you, if you're at that yeah. point where you've already decided and you've got to the point where you're like, none of this is really original, would you then consider changing other things to make things a little bit more easier? So what I mean um, if I can, before we get it all down. So let's say your truck is manual. I'm assuming it's automatic, but let's say it's manual. Okay. Would you then with that same, with that whole same thinking style, would you now just say, fuck it, move the gear shift and the box, sand it down, make it a little nicer. And then add like the gear shifting paddles on the side of the steering wheel. Like, would you consider that at that point? Cause it's already modified. Nothing's original anyways. And it would create ease and it would actually look cool because nobody else has got it with their S21s. Is that something you would consider? Well, the, the thing is, is like, I would consider it. And I guess it's weird. This is where it gets weird for me. It's like in the same breath as what I said earlier, I don't mind doing modifications. So if someone said they're going to take, like, if they're going to take the S10 and they're going to shave the door handles and uh, put it on airbags, that's cool. It's still an S10 to me. I'm just saying in general, it's like it's just interesting. It's just an interesting food for thought. It's like you're sitting there and, you, and just you start to really rationalize it in the most general sense. When does it cross that threshold of it's no longer a 1957 blank or a 1970 something? Like you look at we just had SEMA show there past, and um, we got PRI show that's uh, you know now behind us. And there's so many vendors out there. There's so many products, and it's just in general, it's like after a certain point, you've loaded the you know your your classic car up with so many onboard electronics and a new drivetrain, new chassis, suspension components, such like this. So at, at what point is it? You know, I I, I feel a peer should probably say anything modified other than how it came. It's then no longer. I guess I mean it's like you, you follow some of these guys on Instagram, like I do. Beautiful build, beautifully built stuff. But I mean, they've got like an LT5 stuck in a, as an example, a '70 Chevelle. This thing's on air ride, beautifully built interior. Everything is full fabricated, and you jump in this thing, and it's going to drive like a, a Mercedes Benz. Powerful, smooth, wide, everything you would ever want. But you don't want powerful and smooth. You wanted to feel like your last night of high school with the lovely partner of your life. Well, you, you want it like Alan Smithy rolling out of a bar in Amsterdam. That's what I mean, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Looking for skinwalkers, you know, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. But no, like I say, it's just it's just like I say, talking to another car guy, it's just interesting to see how everyone's threshold is different. Because there's some guys, John, out there with, when they do restoration and they're going to some of these shows for judges, they want it as the car would have rolled off the assembly line. And what I mean by that is they didn't have the paint, like the robots painting these bodies back then. It was done by a you know a manual guy with a manual gun. So in some cases, some of these cars, when it got to the lower rocker panel, it was like the paint was pretty thin to almost where it was damn near bare metal, right? Oh, so when okay. there were some of these guys, when they're restoring them, that's exactly how they want it. No better, no worse than how it would have rolled out of the factory, say, in 1953. But then there's other guys that are like, I want, like you said earlier, I want a little bit of modification, but I still want it to be, a, you know, a 1953 Corvette or a 1957 Bel Air. And then their version of their modifications would be, uh, you know, lower some wheels and, uh, I don't know, maybe some interior creature comfort. So, Someone else is going to say, you know, 
fuck that. I'm going all the way. And it's just, again, it takes the, the question, at, at what point does it cross a threshold where it's no longer a, you know, what it was born as type thing, right? No, definitely. So let me ask you something. There's a, a new Porsche, a really powerful one. I think it's a Taycan or Taycat um, mm-hmm. Porsche. Taycan, yeah, yeah. So it, when it drives... It has the gear shifters and stuff, and it actually makes the sound, but it sounds like a really high-pitched, like, sewing machine. So, let's say you were given one of those. Now, are you butthurt because none of this car has any combustion, and it has nothing but power, and the way that the power is divided up a lot different than any um, combustion engine? Like, how does that make you feel? Is this something you want to drive, or is this something you're going to get in? Like, oh, it's so unauthentic, but it's like a spacecraft. Like, I, I Like, what is your feeling on it? I'm going to ask you first, and I'm going to come over to Big Show and see what his feelings are. Okay. So I would comp- I compare something like this or electric cars in general to, I compare it to when you have the gasser area to, or gasser era to the, the muscle car era. And what I mean by that is you have to respect every genre of cars if you're a true car guy for what it is. So when I drive this, fuck yeah, I would. I would drive it harder than Alan Smithy did that hooker. <laughs> that being said, if, it, if, if you said, do you want, you know, a 1970s Porsche carbureted and air-cooled and the smells and the noises and everything that is of a, a mechanical engine, that's me. That's, I just, I enjoy that experience. Okay. That being said, I would, I fully appreciate electric cars for what they are, no matter how much I hate watching Tesla race anything and people compare it to. So let's you just know, look at the, the stats here for a quick uh, hot second before I go over to uh-huh. TO show and ask them. So the Taycan yeah. Turbo S Cross Turismo. Jesus Christ. That's a mouthful. Uh, it's got acceleration from 0 to 100, right? It takes 2.9 seconds. And it has Ooh. over 750 horsepower. But here's the is real... That, is that, sorry, just be clear. Is that 0 to 100 miles per hour or kilometers? Kilometers. Kilometers for our... So uh, 0 to 60 then. 0 to 60 miles, 2.9. Okay. Yeah. So that... It goes for a measly 218,000 Canadian. It's not a big deal. And not $218. I'll take at least one. Yeah, I'll take one. Yeah. No I'll take, uh, sir, please. Yeah, so <laughs> we got one of these. And these, but here's what I really want to know the turbo. Why do we still use the name turbo in it? What turbo does an electric engine have? That's a good question. That's actually a really good question. I never even thought of it. That's a question for force. Like, did they just run out of names and they're just like, yeah, we're going to call this a turbo. It's like, I don't know. I can think of some of the things that I can't really say on the air that would kind of represent the same thing, but we can't say that here. We're going to leave that alone. So Big Show, your Mustang, or sorry, your Impala, if you could yes. get that fully electric, right, would you do it? No, sorry, not that. Like, I'll admit, I'm, I'm a secret fan of Teslas. I think that oh, their shit. SUVs, oh my God, I think they're beautiful. I've never, I've seen one. I've never been in one. I want to drive one. I, I just like the way they look, everything. But I would never go out of my way and purchase one. I'm still, like I said, I would old OG way for a 57 dollar. Okay, so sorry. That was the original OG. question. I'm a goof. Uh, my original yeah. question was, if you could make, if the transmission isn't manual, or it is manual rather, and yeah. you could move the manual box from the shift box down and move it up to the, the panels on the steering wheel to have, to A, at ease, and two, to make it more efficient, would you or would you keep it all as it was, knowing that the rest of the car obviously is not the original metal, 
and all that same uh-huh. parameter stuff that I gave uh, Mofo. At least for a um, at least for a car, I would I'd probably be okay with share switching manual to automatic and putting it in the wheel because most cars like Bel Airs and uh, I guess old Ford Thunderbirds, a lot of them did have automatic transmissions. Mostly, I find that the old classic trucks they're the ones that are mostly stick or maybe like the Camaros, the Mustangs, the the muscle cars are usually a lot manuals, right? So, but a 57 Bel Air, I'd probably switch it automatic. Yeah. Why not? It would be easier. I would do it. I, even though I can drive stick and stick is good for some cars, but I think for a a Bel Air, yeah. Exactly. Drive a manual trans the same way. So it's damn near any depth and, but you know, yeah, especially now. I mean, paddle shifting is is pretty sick. That's what we call it. You know, but with the shift down the steering wheel, paddle shift. Uh, uh, you know, that's, I've I've seen guys do it on on their muscle cars. It's pretty neat little setup. I I still think I like going through a clutch. I'm a yeah, for muscle driver. cars. Yeah, muscle cars. You got to have clutch. Yeah, I agree with you. But you can't have an automatic. Like, if someone's in Mofo, do you want to drive this thing? Oh, and by the way, it's paddle shift. I'm not going to turn it away. Oh, no way. If, if, if you're saying, okay, there's two cars sitting there, one's a clutch and one's, one's paddle shift, you just, it's just, as a car guy, it's, it's just certain things you can't recreate. You can't, the, the feel and the smell and the, it, it's like an experience in itself. And that's where I say, come back to, where's that threshold? Because, when you get into, say, a 69 Chevelle and you're cruising, you got manual steering, manual brakes, you got some 14-inch bias flies, you got the big block up there, no AC, you got an 8-track or some bullshit, and you're cruising down the road and the feel and the, the wander and the steering wheel and everything, the whole, whole thing is an experience, right? And when you take something like that and then you put it on the most modern day, and don't get me wrong, it's cool as it is, and I love it all, I do. I'm just saying, but when you put it on, like, say, a Chris Allison chassis frame, and you've got, you know, I don't know, some 20-inch wheels tucked up under that thing, big old meat seam rollers, and you've got, like I say, a modern LS, and a, a you name, like, a 4L or a 6L90E under the, you know, and you're, you're ripping along the highway, and it feels, you know, as smooth as 120 as it did at 10, it's just a different feel. 100% it's a it good is. feel. It is. It's just, I think that it, it takes away from the experience of driving something and, and feeling it. And, and then that sort of goes or coincides with, like I said, where does it cross that line? Like, it, there's, I, and I don't even think there's, there's not a right or wrong answer. So I want the listeners to understand I'm not saying that there is a right or wrong answer. It's strictly opinion, right? But it's mm-hmm. just like when you start to really sit back and rationalize, it's like, wow, you know, because you start replacing enough metal on the car and then you say go to sell it as, oh, well, this is a, I don't know, a 70 Plymouth Superbird. Well, is it? Or how much of that metal was just ordered out of a catalog from 2020, right? And it just starts to sort of put things in perspective as to how we and how we value things and what we're willing to pay for things because it's like, oh, well, it's titled as this. But, you know, really, like I said, everything was ordered out of a catalog or online just a few weeks ago. So it well, just didn't, like I said, not, not a right or wrong answer, but just always, these are the questions that MoFo always thinks about, right? Well, MoFo, I don't know uh, what you order off of catalogs, and I really don't think the listener wants to know what you're ordering oh, off of catalogs these geez. days. <laughs> but we're going to wrap this bad boy up. But before we do... Uh, one quick question for you there, T.O. Big Show. Now, if right. you could just, without having the specs in front of you, the Tesla Roadster Plaid or the Taycan Porsche 
crossover, turbo, whatever, who's winning that race? Ooh, uh, I'm a Porsche guy, so I got to stick with Porsche. You're probably right. I don't know. I just wanted to know what you thought. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I just love, I'm just a big fan of Porsche in general. I've always wanted a Porsche 911 GT when I was a kid, and I'm like, one day, who knows, maybe I'll own one. Well, you never know. All we, got, all we can yeah. do is keep working at our dreams, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, would, I would take the Porsche, too. You know, I think once... I think the thing with Tesla quickly is just that because it's the first mainstream all-electric cars, that's where a lot of the hype is. I think when all the big auto manufacturers start going and really pushing their electric cars, I think you're going to start seeing, you know, a lot of popularity with those and the, the Tesla will start to... I mean, don't get me wrong. Elon Musk is not going to just let things fall to the side. I don't mean it like that. No way. If someone said, do you want to drive this cool Tesla, whatever, I don't even give a shit. It's because you, you say to me, okay, this, you've got this Porsche, fuck right, I'll drive a Porsche anything that's electric. Just because Porsche is so well engineered, fuck right, I'm going to take it for a ride. Well, with that being said, T.O. Big Show, thank you very much for your time and being on the show once again. We missed you, pal. All right, it was great to be on, as always. Absolutely, buddy. And, uh... Folks, look forward to it. We're going to have another episode of T.O. Big Show come up down the pipe. We're going to be talking more wrestling. He misses us, and we miss him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I heard a rumor, T.O., that maybe The Undertaker is going to be making a return. So um, I don't know about return, but they are saying that he could be getting inducted into the Hall of Fame okay, well, because WrestleMania in Houston. But you never know. He could, given the right amount of money, you never know. He did say he's done, but True. hey, you know, Maybe, uh, uh, you know how wrestlers are, you know? They say they're retired, and then they get that itch. You never know. They get bored, right? You're at home. You're yeah. You're sitting on the sofa only cracking open peanuts instead of cracking someone's head, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Once again, man, uh, I really thank you for taking the time to do this show. I'm sure everybody else appreciates it as well at home. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. And uh, again, guys, it, it's just like I say, food for thought. Think about it. Reach out to us. Let, let me know what y'all think. I Like I say, there's not a right or wrong answer on it when it comes to modifications and, and fabrication, all that sort of stuff, and, and restoration. It's just it's something, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but definitely always curious to hear what uh, you, the listeners, think. And uh, as always, we appreciate uh, you listening to us and uh, letting us do this whole thing for y'all. Definitely. So that was another episode of Motorsports Mofo's Raw Gas Experience, episode number two. Folks, don't forget, you can find us at godeepproductions.godaddysites.com. You can find our shows already on there. You can also find our link to the store. You can always reach out to us there. We have all our connections there. You can simply click the link. It's beautiful. A wise person once told me, no one likes a tip, so that's why we... Go Deep. Go Deep Productions. Thank you for listening to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at GoDeepThePodcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep. Go Deep.